and we're live. All right. Welcome to episode number five of Exploring Minds with Bobby Mack. The object of this podcast is to speak to other philosophically minded people in an unassuming way as we tackle life's big questions. And today I'm joined by Thomas Sheedy. Thomas Sheedy is um, an atheist activist and a college student currently studying. What are you even studying? I don't even know. Public administration and management, a fancy term for political science. Okay, so we could just, for all intents and purposes, say political science? Pretty much. They're two separate majors, but I'm studying the same stuff. Okay. Fascinating. So Thomas and I actually met a couple of years ago at an interfaith dialogue panel that uh, I was hosting uh, that involved uh, speakers from all different religious faiths. And Thomas actually came as a high school student, which was pretty interesting. Uh, Do you remember what initially brought you to that interfaith panel? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me on the program. Um, I remember years ago uh, attending a, a debate between Michael Shermer, who's, uh, I believe, the head of Skeptic Magazine, and Frank Turk, who is a uh, Christian apologist uh, at uh, Stony Brook University. And I remember during the debate, I think this was halfway through the discussion, Michael Shermer was checking his phone and he, he yelled out to the audience, thank you, SBU Freethinkers, for the shout out. And the entire row in front of me stood up and yelled and cheered. And I was like, wow, the Freethinkers still exist. There's still a club at the local university. I thought they died out five years ago. That's great. Uh, and afterwards, I got, after the debate, I got in contact with the president of the org. And he told me about the various events that are going to be happening and the social media pages that were there. And I, I paid attention very closely ever since. And that's how I, uh, I found uh, the information about the interfaith panel. I remember walking through hot, uh, through a hot spring day, uh, through thorn bushes and through streets just to get there. I, I wasn't even driving at the time, just so I can attend a, 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 an interfaith panel with college students. Just some random interfaith panel because I was that excited uh, to attend and be among like minds. Man, you must have been starving for this kind of stuff. Oh, I was. Because you went to a public high school and public high schools are notoriously boring in that they're not able to teach anything interesting. No, not really. (laughs) They have to Um, teach things that appeal to... Uh, the lowest common denominator. The, you, you, yeah, they appeal to the lowest common denominator. And in many cases, you appeal to the community around you. So you can't say many things that are controversial because you'll upset the soccer moms that are going to race over to the, to, the, to the board meetings and, and, and threaten to you know, not, not give the superintendent your, your, uh, your, your homemade cookies for the year. <laughs> really, really upsetting, really upsetting. So yeah, the public schools, they got, they got to be quiet. Nothing really interesting going on there. So yeah. Thorn, yet, thorn bushes and sunny days to get to a student panel it is. And yet you really were trying to make school interesting. You were trying yeah. to set up a, uh, was it a, a secular club or an atheist club? A, pretty much the same thing. Secular atheist, yeah. same exact term. So I, um, I, back when I was a sophomore in high school, I, had, I, I was just getting it started in the, the new atheist movement. And I wanted to start a secular student alliance affiliate at Ward Melville High School. This was in uh, the middle of Long Island, New York. And I I wasn't really, I I was very ambitious, but I also didn't really know much knowledge of the law. I didn't really know much knowledge of of a few various different topics when I started, when I came up with the idea of starting a club. And 
I went through various parts of red tape over the years. Administrators were giving me trouble. I had to nearly get legal support from nonprofit uh, organizations. But eventually, in my senior year of high school, I got the club and was seen throughout my graduating classes as a big activist bringing up controversial ideas involving uh, religious belief. Now, when you eventually did get this club started, what was the turnout like? The turnout was great. We started out with a packed room. Uh, everyone, of course, if you, di- if you didn't come for the ideas, you came for the pizza and you smiled. But overall, uh, there was a lot of interest in this club, especially because there was sort of a, a, a political religious divide that was going on throughout, throughout my years in high school. Um, so people were just interested in seeing what the club was about, what I was going to talk about, and how things were going to turn out. Um, the numbers fluctuated you know, over the, over the course of the next few months. But overall, we were still a very popular and controversial club um, that drawed a lot of different controversies over the course of that school year. Uh, so I guess I'll ask a more basic question. Uh, why are you an atheist? Why am I an atheist? Well, I am an atheist because I see no evidence to show that uh, God, a God exists. Um, atheism means without theism, usually in the English language. I'm not much of an English expert, but usually when you put an A in front of the term, right, it means non. So I'm, a, I'm an atheist, non-theist. I just happen to, to uh, not believe that a God exists. Not a hundred, I don't hold a hundred percent certainty that God doesn't exist. I'm not saying that we know everything in the universe, um, that, that I'm the expert of all knowledge and all science uh, and everything in the cosmos, but that um, I don't believe in God. And I'm also a normal person, just like everyone else. So you don't believe in God. Does that mean that you view it as sort of a 50-50 thing and you've come down on one side of a coin toss? No, uh, not really. Uh, I'm not like one of those 50-50 agnostics. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess you could say I'm like a, what, a 90-something maybe on the, on the Richard Dawkins scale. Uh, I, I think so far that throughout human history, we have not seen any evidence that a supernatural being exists. We could always be wrong, right? We've existed for only what, a, humans have only been on this planet for what, 100,000 years. Um, but throughout all of recorded history, when we look at the origins of religious faiths, we see that they're there we see that the the doctrine that's in them is really really comes more from the locations that these religions start in and less from anything that shows any evidence of divine divine inter- intervention um so yeah no I, I i don't see any um any reason as to why a, a god exists but i'm not 100 percent sure so i'm not i'm not like 50 50 i'm not on the fence like there's equal validity there's there's no proof that there's equal validity so far we've seen nothing um, in terms of supernatural evidence and proof, um, with the exception of just you know religion spreading and the doctrine of those religions spreading throughout re- uh, recorded human history. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I'm up there on the Dawkins scale. And as you can see, um, Bobby, I like to do a lot of rants. Yeah, I go yeah, overboard I, with the rants. I, I, I get it's a it. lot it's of fun. fun. Yeah, no, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you if you start to, uh, if, if I want to get a word in. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but normally I like to hear you go off. So uh, yeah, not a 50-50 agnostic. In fact, <laughs> most agnostics are not 50-50 agnostics either. They're somewhere on like the agnostic atheist scale where they don't believe in God. They won't call themselves an atheist though because the eighth term is a little uncomfy and will upset some people. So um, there are 50-50 agnostics. You just won't meet m- many of them. There are not that many people. You, all, uh-huh. you also have a, a lot of agnostic theists out there who are like 
uh, I believe in God. They, they don't call themselves agnostic much. They believe in a God, but then when you ask them about the, the validity of how, what percentage they think their, their claims are right, sometimes they say, oh, I'm agnostic about it. But they are not the ones that really call themselves the agnostics. It's really the agnostic atheists who call themselves agnostic. Well, um, don't you think that uh, a lot of people today, sort of like how we want everything personalized in our own lives, like our shopping preferences or our clothes or our computers, whatever it is that we buy, we want to be get super personalized these days. You feel that most people, when they talk about God, they talk about it as though it's very personal to them. And they'll uh, describe attributes about this, about a God that they believe in. Uh, and it's very, uh, it, you know, there's, there's 2 billion Christians, and yet when you speak to them, you get 2 billion different types of Christian gods. Exactly. All religion is your religion. It's, 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 it's you, the God that you believe in is the God that happens to agree with you on abortion. The God <laughs> that you believe in is the God that happens to agree with you on issues of same-sex marriage or gay rights or uh, individual liberty. Um, you, never you never find people people of faith who say, you know what, God thinks this way, but you know what, I think the other way. And you know what, if I burn in the lake of hellfire, it's going to be all right because I'll get a nice tan or something. Um, I live in Canada. I only really live in Canada, but maybe a Canadian right, <laughs> will, could enjoy the lake of fire. But no, you don't see many people that are like that because religion is all personal. Religion is created by human beings. It's created by the environments and circumstances that they're in. And due to politics and due to people spreading uh, messages effectively throughout human history. That's how religions have also spread. Um, so you don't think that there's any kind of- Yeah, it's of, all personal. So you don't think that there's any kind of unifying principle between these religious faiths that have spread around? Like, oh, I, I, just, think, I think there are. I think there, there, are, tenets, there are tenets and there are beliefs that, that certain religions share. But when it comes to the nitty gritty, if you ask a, a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, a Hindu, and you ask them what their values are, and then you ask if their God or gods believe in, in what they believe, you're basically going to say, they're going to say yes. They're, they're absolutely going to say yes to that question. Right, because uh, I recently interviewed a woman who's a member of the Baha'i faith, which I don't mm. know if you've heard of them. I have. Yeah, so uh, the Baha'is, uh, the Baha'i community of Durham, wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, they believe that all religion is progressively revealed uh, by the prophets and that it's all part of one religion. And it, and, it, and it shows up differently in certain forms because it was accommodating those people at that time. Right. But the, that the core beliefs in one God and unity of all people is supposed to be the same. Well, yeah, and it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Don't you find it to be interesting, Bobby, how uh, there, there's never really any uh, core agreement on, 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 well, actually, no. There are values, like I said, there are values that, that religions do share. Um, however, don't you find it to be interesting that in all of recorded history, you never have all these religions coming together and saying, you know what, I'm going to question and see if my religion's right. Like that, like imagine if there's like an annual meeting of all the heads of every religion on earth. And they're all like, okay, I'm going to dump this stuff from my religion because it seems that, uh, that what you're saying about your thing, uh, well, about your faith is right. So I'm going to, I'm going to switch over to your belief now. And then, uh, let's see, uh, Mr. Hindu, uh, your, your beliefs really don't subscribe to what we're saying. And we think that there's more proof about this. Can you dump that? And then the Hindu will, uh, you know, imagine the Hindu saying, Oh yes, we're going to, we're going to dump, I'm going to dump my beliefs now, uh, and join your faith. That doesn't happen. Well, that doesn't happen. Why, well, this is why what I think what needs to happen if that something like that were going to happen is we need to get past a sort of 
for lack of a better term, eight-year-old conception, eight-year-old's conception of God uh, <laughs> and religion. Because in my opinion, if it's going to have value, and it could, uh, it needs to be done in a more intellectual way. So, for example, Christians who are going to take the Bible so literally that they are going to claim that the world was created a few thousand years ago, exactly as it is today. Uh, yeah, we need to toss that out or people who are going to say that, uh, uh, that the Quranic passages about beating your wife are applicable to today, right? Th those need to come into modernity. But if you want to, if, if you want to have a more sophisticated perspective about it, if you want to say that these religious texts are just a system of sort of symbols and metaphors and poems that allow us to express the inexpressible, I don't see what's wrong with that. I don't see what's wrong with that if you had the leaders of all these various faiths admit that, but they're not admitting that. Instead, they are still playing the game of like the literal Bible thumper. Like this is, this is the truth about the world. Everything in this holy book is true. They, they say that. They, they only admit a little bit of what you just said if they're really challenged in, say, an interview or a discussion, uh, say, with a, an atheist or free-thinking person who tries to get into the nitty gritty about these things. But overall, they say to their followers, this is the truth. Uh, what I am saying is, is the word of God or through the book of God or through the book of my God or prophet. Um, in, in a, in, I, I am a big proponent of religious freedom. I'm a big proponent of people having the right to believe whatever they want to believe. But I must say, when people say that this is the word of God, even though they know that, it might not be real or it's just a bunch of fables or books. They're basically, they're lying. They're lying to their followers. And I think it just doesn't do society um, any good whatsoever when you have people that are lying about that. Now, say if you have heads and, and people who are leaders of various faiths who do genuinely believe that, I have more sympathy for those people. I have more respect for those people because they actually do believe that they are doing good in the world and that they are bringing the followers of the various faiths that they're involved in into what they would consider to be a, a better life. Yeah. I remember Noam Chomsky had some, yeah. And I'm, you know, I have mixed feelings about that man, but in one of his, <laughs> interviews, in one of his interviews, he, he said that, you know, like what I said before about how, uh, if the extreme, if the extreme creationists are going to come into the science classroom and try to not get evolution taught, yeah, we need to do something about that. But if somebody is just on their deathbed and, and wants a, a priest to pray with them, why should we read them Hume? You know, why, <laughs> why would we read them the God delusion if that's what they want? <clears throat> this is a very hard question. This is a question that many atheists have been asked. Um, I, I, I think it has to do more with social decorum. Most normal people, including many normal atheists, would not go to the deathbed of a person and be like, ha ha, you're going to die. God's not real, man. Here's Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens proving my point. Have luck being dead. No, that's, that's rude. That's, that's inconsiderate. That's not what any logical and reasonable and polite society, you, don't, you wouldn't see that from, from any normal person, any reasonable and polite society. Um, that just doesn't happen. I think people confuse that. Um, when it comes to the work that the new atheists have provided over the years, I think it has really been done in a more respectful, philosophical and intellectual tone than a, what people might 
considered to be like, ah, ha, ha, take that Christian, you're dumb. Take that Muslim, you're dumb. Take that Jew, you're dumb. My, my facts outweigh yours, you're an idiot. I, I, think, people, I think people of faith, and I, have, and I have many respect for you know, people of all different um, belief systems and backgrounds as individuals. I think they've been conditioned to think too that any criticism of their ideas or their beliefs is an automatic ad hominem attack on them as people. And I think that's, that's been done to them deliberately in order for these belief systems um, to be upheld. And this is not just with religion. This is, this is for political ideologies too. This, is, this has been taught in totalitarian states um, for decades and decades onwards. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't see a polite old Englishman like Richard Dawkins coming into a hospital and saying, you got to read this book before you pass out. I know your family's around you, but it's it's very important. You got to give me uh, you got to give me some some uh, proceeds, some book mm-hmm. proceeds, man, before you go. Uh, would you like to sign the Richard Dawkins Foundation Afterlife Fund? Like that, <laughs> that doesn't that just doesn't happen with normal people. So it doesn't and, bother. And we got to we got to fight against that that misconception. Right, right. So it doesn't bother you that there is in your worldview no soul, no afterlife. Um, it does a little bit. And I think it only is because I was raised as a Christian for 15 years. And I've, you know, I've grown attached, of course, to to members of my family that have passed away, friends of mine that have passed away. This is just a a sad reality of human life and, and living on the planet. But I've also come to the realization that, again, this is something that we can't really control that much. And I would, I would rather live and go by an understanding of what we know to be real and, and dismiss what we know to not be real than live in a lie only by some chance to see our, you know, our family members and loved ones again. Um, and another thing, why, why would a, a, an all loving, all powerful God that, and we're going from the whole Judeo Christian sense, right? Of, 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 um, of the monotheistic God. And I guess you can include Islam in that too. Why would an all powerful, all loving God that loves you play this game? of not revealing his or her or whatever's existence and have you see the people that you love and care about pass away only to say, it's okay, bro. It's all right. I'm really here. Say hi to grandma. Grandma's right next to you. <laughs> say hi. You haven't seen her in so many years. Yeah. I just find that to be cool. And I'd, I'd rat it. I don't think that there is an afterlife. There's no evidence for an afterlife. I think we, we should respect people who do believe that. Maybe, you know, we can criticize that. We can debate that respectfully and respect the people who disagree with us. But I'm not going to live my life, you know, whole, uh, pretending that something definitely exists when we really don't know. We really don't know what's beyond death. And for all intents and purposes, based on what we know so far, there could be nothing. And I know it's scary. But I think if we, if more people accept that and try to find ways to cope with that and heal in maybe different societal ways, um, I think the world would change for the better. So the truth is sometimes scary, but I think it's worth it. Now, one of the things that uh, I certainly have seen over the last few years is that nature abhors a vacuum. So when people do not have God to believe in when they don't have their church community, they need to find some community. They need to find something else. If not to worship something to look up to. And what it seems to me has happened in the atheist movement. And you can speak to this is that a lot of these people have turned to worship their political ideology yep, or consumerism, but, or, you know, material things, materialism, 
but mainly, but you know, that's a topic for another day. What we could talk about now is a lot of people have turned to look up to the state and think that the state can solve all their problems. And you've experienced this firsthand. People worship their own political ideology. And not only that, they've taken that political ideology, inserted it into a movement that was based on free thinking and going against dogmatic thinking and claim that that's fact. And if you disagree with that, then you're an automatic, you're a horrible person. You need to be kicked out. Um, I, I would say, let's go beyond this. It's not, it's, we're not, the religion is not just government. I know that's a popular talking point. Um, let's go even deeper. Let's go even more controversial. The religion is social justice. The religion is woke culture. That is what many of these activists, so-called free-thinking activists, have replaced religion with. Um, and I am not a fan of both. I'm not a fan of organized religion. I think we can move past that. But I'm also not a fan of this ideology um, because woke culture and social justice, they hold the same tenets as uh, many modern-day religions. The idea that you can't, you, you have to repent in order to even have a chance of forgiveness. Um, and, and oftentimes in woke culture, you can't even be forgiven if you're accused of something. Um, so and it's, it, yeah. yeah, go ahead. In your, no, no, no. So, okay. So uh, in your personal life, you've noticed this because you've uh, been president of, you were president of Long Island Atheists since you were 18 years old, right? I was president from 18, uh, when I was 18 to around 20 years old. Yeah. And uh, you're a pretty liberal minded guy. And I don't think that that has changed that much. On most I think, social issues, I, I wouldn't think so. But I think these are these are issues that that wouldn't even be defined as leftist or liberal anymore. These would be these are ideals that now in today's politics are just designed as are just seen as normal. Um, the atheist movement, the new atheist movement, started out back in the two thousands and really boomed in the early to mid twenty tens, as well early twenty tens as this really exciting, vibrant. Entity, entity for lack of a better word, I guess. Um, we saw the results of totalitarianism in the 20th century. We defeated Nazism in the 1940s. We defeated communism in the 1990s. And many intellectuals and thinkers came to the conclusion that the next discussion that we need to be having relating to totalitarianism, relating to terror, has to do with religious faith. We need to have a real discussion about religious faith. And this became a really exciting phenomenon, a phenomenon that spread across the Western world. Um, you had famous authors such as Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Daniel Dennett, Sam Harris, who were saying that you can be a logical, normal-minded person and not believe in a deity, and that we need to protect the societies that exist that maintain cultures of religious freedom and secularism in order to you know, not have theocratic societies. Um, this was, I would say, normal stuff. Some of, the, some of the statements that, that were made, especially regarding foreign policy, for example, you'd hear liberals and conservatives back in the day talking about when it comes to um, certain discussions about how you can be a good person without uh, you know, having a belief in a deity. Already in our society, we've, we've seen a rise in secular charities and, and nonprofit organizations that want to help individuals, not on the basis of religious creed, but on the basis of just doing good for your country or for humanity. Um, and new atheism exploded. Uh, there were local affiliates and state coalitions and national organizations, uh, filling niches for various different problems throughout the United States, throughout Canada, throughout Europe. And around, I would say the mid 2010s, 
new atheism died. Now, why did that happen? Um, it's because really we started, to, we started to see this problem a little bit in the organized atheist movement in the early 2010s. In 2011, there was an, uh, an incident called Elevator Gate. Oh, I and remember this. Elevator Gate was, uh, it was, there was a conference in Ireland, uh, from an organization, I, be, I believe it was in Ireland, I believe it was from an organization called Atheist Ireland. Um, there was a speaker or a guest named Rebecca Watson. Rebecca Watson was a uh, blogger for Skeptichick, uh, which was a thing that she founded. Um, she was a speaker at, uh, at this atheist uh, event. And around that time, when New Atheism really exploded between like 2007 to 2011, you had leftist feminists speaking at the same conferences as atheists, conservatives, and libertarians. There was a real period of, I, I would say, uh, unity in the movement. And I, you know, I'll even correct myself. That unity even lasted, I would say, till around 2014. Um, and, but around this time, Rebecca, so Rebecca Watson was at this conference in 2011. Uh, the conference, I guess, was fine. She hangs out at the hotel bar with a bunch of people, including this one dude. Uh, after they have a great conversation, the conversation lasts till around four in the morning. Um, she decides to go back up to her room to retire to her room. Uh, the guy just continues uh, to, he follows her into the elevator and he consensually asks her, would you like some coffee? Now we all know what asking for coffee really means. Um, it's a euphemism, but he wasn't being rude. He wasn't coming on too strong. He wasn't invading someone's personal space. Yes, you're in an elevator, but it's not like he was touching anybody or being rude or verbally abusive in any way, shape, or form. He consensually asked, as she was in the elevator, would you like a cup of coffee? She said, no, no, thank you. Uh, and she, she left the elevator and that was it. And everything was fine. Except it wasn't it, was except it? Except that wasn't it, except it, things weren't fine. No, 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 no. No, Bobby, you, you see, you're a normal person. You, you would think that that's fine, right? That's a normal consensual encounter. It happens at conferences, it happens at events. People find other people attractive. They have wonderful conversations. And sometimes it leads to potential sex. And you consensually, well, look, yes, look. I'll say consensually to appease people, yeah. ask, would you like to come to my room or would you like to come for coffee? Well, and look, sometimes but, people but, say but, no. But look, you say we all know. Maybe he did just want coffee. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, like, true, true. You know, maybe Ireland has a few different uh, coffee blends I don't know about. You know, trying you know to I mean? introduce Miss Watson to, uh, to all the different blends. Like who the... So, so anyway, so you would think that she would have just said no and gone on with her life and nothing else would have ever happened. Right, right? No, any normal person would just think that. Okay. But that, that didn't happen. No, in fact, she, she stated that this was harassment, that this was evidence of harassment in the atheist community. And the atheist movement has a huge sexual harassment, sexual assault problem. And this is the start of what later became the, the demise of new atheism, the destruction of new atheism. Over the course of those next few years, people like Rebecca Watson and others have developed sort of a following. They began to go to atheist organizations and say, hey, we see harassment everywhere. We see assault everywhere. We see racism everywhere. And we want to help your organization. But we need to make sure that you stand against harassment. And of course, any normal-minded person who's like, I, I don't support sexual harassment. I don't support sexual assault of any kind would automatically say, of course, we don't, we don't support sexual harassment. We don't support sexual assault. We don't support any of these things. Um, well, your concerns seem legitimate because we're against 
harassment of all kinds. Uh, please tell us your concerns. And these people were taken more and more seriously throughout the years. Certain national organizations, local organizations, state organizations began putting these people onto their boards, uh, into their staffs, until eventually, into, going into 2016 and 2017, most normal people, conservative, libertarian, liberal, even some people who call themselves progressive, either left the atheist movement or were kicked out. Um, well, can I, I'll tell you, you know, it's, they did it to themselves. I mean, because a lot of the people who are occupying, I'll tell you right now, a lot of people who are occupying these positions prior to the infiltration by these ideologues like Rebecca Watson, mm. they were originally championing their cause, weren't they? They were saying, yeah, it, it's an intersectional fight. We are also, we are concerned about these other issues like racism, like sexism. It's not just about the atheist movement. You're right, but I also pity them because when they thought of racism, when, when, you know, old schmo, secular humanist guy who's who's 60 years old or 70 years old, who's maybe seen actual racism in the news decades ago, right? When When they thought of racism, when they thought of discrimination, they thought of things that happened in the 20th century. They thought, they thought of the racism and the sexism that existed back then. And so when you had these people like Rebecca Watson saying, surely you're against racism and sexism, right? They thought of the actual incidents that have occurred throughout our society and throughout politics throughout the decades. And so these people had good hearts. They, they, they basically took in a Trojan horse, right? They thought they, they, they saw this as a gift to help improve their organizations, to help improve the movement. And eventually uh, that, that just wasn't the case. They were, they were taken down. Um, and, and the thing that annoys me most is I'm not denying that sexual harassment or sexual assault or bigotry or maybe individual incidences of bigotry have never happened at any skeptic or atheist conference. What I am saying is that it is so low in, in, in the points where I bet you could probably just think of 10, 15 incidents maybe occurring within a 20-year span, maybe. Maybe 10 to 15 is even too huge. It might, it might even be lower than that. That, that it, it, it's just gone, uh, it's just been blown out of proportions. Add on to the fact, too, that you have people like Rebecca Watson saying, well, when you normally think of harassment, you think of actual assault or actual rape. But we have the goggles on. We can see the harassment. We can actually see what you can't see. What you see, Bobby, is a room just full of skeptics talking about science and how they don't believe in God. What we see is a bunch of cisgendered white males crowding the room, and this creates an environment of harassment where harassment just occurs. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. So in a, essentially, they've also changed the definitions of what harassment and assault and racism and sexism means. Well, if I mean, I, really, go ahead. And, and I'll tell you this, Bobby, if I saw any instance of actual racism, of actual sexism, of actual harassment or assault, you bet your ass, Bobby, that I would be standing up against it. Who wouldn't? And you're telling me that you, have not, that you haven't been witness to any of that? I have not been witness to any of it. I have not. I've been to so many conferences. I've been to, I've been to local meetups. I've been to, to meetings and calls of state coalitions. I've been to national conferences. I've been to national atheist conferences. I've been to student conferences. I've been to ex-Muslim gatherings. I've been to so many different events with organizations of so many different backgrounds. Now, don't get me wrong. 
there, there, there could actually have been instances that, that could occur, you know, without me looking. But boy, did I look a lot. And boy, have many other normal people looked a lot. <laughs> and don't you find it to be interesting, too? Okay, that when these people talk about assault, when these people talk about harassment, why is it always the blue, pink, or green-haired, oh. ultra-feminist, far-leftists, okay, the, the people that are so, so out there that are making this claim? Why not a conservative woman? Why not a fiscally or, or socially conservative woman? Why not like a secular Republican or a libertarian or a Bill Maher, or, or a Bill Maher liberal supporting woman or an ex-Muslim woman? right? In, you know, talk about this. Why is it that we only see it for, from, from these types? Why is it that they're the ones that only have the glasses? Because think about this too. The, the harassment must have been so terrible before these extreme ideologues came in and fixed everything, right? That was around the time where a lot more normal people were also in the atheist movement. Well, so wouldn't so you be hearing, a, yeah, wouldn't you be hearing accounts, Bobby, from normal women, normal people, with, from various different ideological backgrounds, gender, sex, sexual orientation, that have experienced this, why is it that we need to listen to Rebecca Watson um, when oh, it comes man, to harassment? We, we need to listen to Rebecca Watson. I'm so we, glad why she, is it, well, yeah, Why is it that we need to put these people on our boards? I'm why so glad that it, Rebecca Watson yeah. is here to help solve the problem I'm, of yeah, awkward I'm so moments glad in too, because <laughs> Now we have a dead movement, a movement that could have helped shape civilization and modern civilization even more. But you know what? Let's cut that short. Let's cut that short and make atheism look like a fad and a joke because let's cry harassment and assault everywhere. Uh, and I'll, also, I'll, make, I'll make another statement. I'll appease people even more, even though I don't have to. I am against assault. I am against harassment of all kinds, okay? I am not saying it has never happened. What I am saying is this is not a rampant thing that has plagued the atheist community. We have let this virus in of extreme, crazy, far-left identity politics, of extreme feminism and social justice. We let this in, and it killed the movement. And what I find to be so funny, too, I, see, I, I'm going again with the rants. Don't you love the rants? <laughs> Another thing that's so great, too, is for many years, I considered, and I guess still somewhat consider myself to be a firebrand atheist. These are people that, that say religion is a lie, religion is a scam, I'm an atheist, you should call yourself an atheist and not even a secular humanist. Many of the firebrand atheists, or some people call them militant atheists, they've gotten flack from the social justice activists in the atheist movement. They're saying, they say, oh, they're, you're too hostile, you're too strident, you're too abrasive. Yet they are firebrands, yet they are militant about how bad the atheist movement is and about how racist and sexist and homophobic and transphobic and Islamophobic everything is. So it's okay if they're firebrands, but it's bad if you have Professor Dawkins or the late Christopher Hitchens or Sam Harris going after things like radical Islam or religion or why you should say the A word and not another religious identifier. Of course, I'm not saying that every single one of the people I just suggested says everything to that degree, but similar things like that. It is such a contradiction. And we let the contradiction in because barely anyone spoke up. It was basically just Thunderfoot like one YouTube guy, and then everybody else who, like a good chunk of the atheist community, a good chunk of normal people that were in the atheist community, which was most of the atheist community a while back, they went to YouTube, they went to other movements and decided to fight against this uh, postmodern um, social justice woke ideology because they saw that, you know, if these people are taking over the atheist movement, why do I want to be 
Why do I want to be here? If I'm being called, if, I, if I'm being called a racist, a sexist, a homophobe, and I'm a fairly liberal or forward-thinking-minded person who doesn't think that any gender, any race is inferior or superior to my own, why would I stay in this community? Why would I stay in this community when nonprofit organizations are taking thousands, if not millions of dollars and blowing it away on programs that people are not actually interested in, Bobby, because we have to play the social justice game. We have to go to these conferences and we have to pretend that all these talks about social justice is all great. It's all fantastic. Let's lose more money. Let's play the game, Bobby. Let's throw the money down the well and let's hope on faith that things go well, all in the religious cause of social justice. I, I, I used to be confused when conservatives and people on the right would say that, that there's a rise of a secular religion because people then start to attack secularism, which I don't like. But I can understand it because social justice and woke culture has become exactly that, a secular religion. And just like what you said, they've taken religion and they've replaced it with, a, with an insane, crazy ideology, um, an ideology that would not be a suitable replacement in any sane and normal society. Now, so wonderful. So we've touched on the extreme woke culture, cancel culture left here. And it started in new atheism, by the way. Right. Like the early 2010s, this is before Gamergate. Like the whole social justice thing that you're seeing in America and the United States woke culture, it really did start in this internet atheism thing. We were the origins of it. And and I, I hate this because basically we open the floodgates to the country being screwed. <laughs> New uh, atheism did that. And we could have just said, no, Rebecca, the ideas that you were espousing are crazy. Well, we re- could have done I, that, but we I, didn't. I remember Richard Dawkins commented on that. And he, he said, did back he, when people he, could, man, oh man, did he, uh, was, did he write a scathing letter to her? He did. And I don't blame him because he, he saw for well, he decades. Said, who gives a crap? Who gives a crap? He, he was said, right. Well, he said, like, he, he wrote a letter to, uh, he said, what was his letter? Dear Muslima? De- yeah, it's a de- the Dear Muslima letter. Yeah, Dear Muslima. And uh, <laughs> said, oh, I'm so sorry that you can't go to school and that you have to cover yourself when you go outside and that you're going to be married off at the age of 12. But uh, this woman, uh, you know, had an awkward moment with a man in an elevator. So I have to dedicate my energy and time to that. A consensual event, by the way. He asked yeah. consensually. There was no actual harassment or assault. If there was, I would be on Rebecca's side. Well, he didn't. Mark he, my words. But he also didn't ask, hey, do you want to sleep with me? He said, do you want to get coffee? You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he didn't. Anyway. But anyway, so to, to, to move off of that for a minute, I did want to talk about how this has affected the, the extreme right as well. Because what seemed to me to be happening is because of this push toward the extreme, you know, new atheism, uh, postmodernist, everything is meaningless. The only thing that matters is power dynamics and woke culture and that kind of thing. To me, it seems that it's also had a an equal and opposite push on the extreme right, where people are now taking their religion more seriously, right. and they are uh, taking their Christian upbringing more seriously, and they're trying to make a return to quote unquote traditionalist America. So, and- <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, I will say though that. Many of the new atheists and, and the people that really started the new atheist movement don't really want to ever be associated with woke culture. A lot of the a lot of these people are speaking out against it, and I would say I would make the argument that new atheism, when it started, was really stuff that that really a lot of 
main mainline liberals and conservatives could really get on board with a respect for the country, a respect for the the laws and civilizations that's brought about religious freedom. This is basically just an extra conversation saying, can we move on past religion or can't let's have an honest conversation about religion. Let's let's debate it. Let's not let's not say that it's above criticism. But many of these these new atheists are actually normal people um, who now these days are part of the intellectual dark web or now are having to hide um, because of what woke culture and social justice and uh, this extreme leftism has done to them. Well, it seems like a mind virus. It seems like uh, th this obsession with trying to get people fired from their job. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's insane. Um, and uh, it's, it's plaguing every single part of modern day society now. Um, but going to your other statement regarding the, the rise of the, the radical right, uh, that is true. Um, we're seeing a rise in people who say, I don't like how all these normal atheists or normal gay people or normal, normal people who are not, you know, crazy far leftists are coming over to my team now and making uh, conservatism or libertarianism more open to, uh, to people that, that, that don't believe in God or not as traditional. Uh, let's go to the extreme end of the right and advocate for these crazy ideas that make us look like the SJWs of the right. That'll be really great for our brand. Um, overall, this is a concern, Bobby, that we do need to be paying attention to. This, this is, it is legitimate concern. I However, think it plays, I, it plays into the election of Trump in 2020. I, to a degree, maybe, but I would I would say the election of Trump has to do with a completely different uh, a completely different debate debate. It not really much to do with the radical right, the rise of the radical right, but the rise of of, of people who feel and, and these are normal people who feel disenfranchised and and want someone to say that they can give you your job back and things like that. That's a whole other debate that political scientists have talked about throughout the past several years now. Um, so I think Trump voters are much different than say the alt right or the far right. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a completely different discussion, and I hold no um, disgust or disappointment with people who support the president. Um, well, let me put it this way, then. Do you think that Trump's rhetoric has emboldened people on the radical right? I don't think so. I think this is language that many politicians have used, but because it's President Trump, the Republican, saying this, people have, have taken that to an extreme. And I'm saying this, of course, at a, as myself, not on behalf of any group. Um, to a degree, somewhat, maybe, uh, especially maybe early on. But I will say this, the president has done the best that he can uh, to also disassociate himself from uh, the far right. Um, and there, there are plenty of people on the far right that, that don't like the president as a result of this. They're like, oh, we supported him in 2016 because he supported what I thought would be, you know, our good racist cause. And he's not He's not backing us up. And some people are now, some of those extreme people who are, yeah, these, these, these radical types are looking for different candidates to support now. Um, so, so my overall claim on this is, yes, the radical right, yes, the alt-right, yes, these uh, extreme far-right, far-right Christians, uh, you could say theocrats, right? This is not most Christians. This is not, this is not even most Christian conservatives even. Um, you know, yeah, we should pay attention to the radical right, the extreme right, but um, at the same time, I don't think they're going to win. I think we're going to win overall, at least on persuading normal people, left and right. I would say conservative, libertarian, and liberal. I don't even want to say left and right because sadly, uh, the left is is sort of abandoning liberalism um, to come on board. 
to come on board with supporting a sane society with religious freedom for all, a secular government, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, uh, and a co common laws and common doctrine to support the rights of the individual and, and freedom for all. Now, what do you mean when you say that you feel that the left has abandoned liberalism? Um, just look at how people who've described themselves as liberals been treated by the woke culture. Look at Bill Maher. Bill Maher was someone who has always been for years and years in the 2000s and 2010s, been on the left on so many different social and fiscal issues. He used to, he used to say, we should ban the second amendment. Now I'm, I'm against that, but he used to believe that in the early 2010s, back, back when woke culture didn't really exist or it didn't become mainstream, right? Rebecca, people like Rebecca Watson were just getting started and beginning to build their supporters. Um, I'm pretty sure he also supports absolute caps on wealth. I, I, yes, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I don't, I don't know, but I started out as a Bill Maher fan. I still, I still like him overall as a person. I think he, he, he is a good hearted individual. Um, but I think as a result of people like him, people like Ricky Gervais, um, people like, I don't know. Well, Ricky Gervais is hilarious. People, people like Sam Harris, people like, uh, you know, people who consider themselves to be liberal, to be liberal Democrats, to be forward thinking people, uh, Get, Sam's get, an interesting. Sam's an interesting case, though, because well, Sam I, is an interesting case because he he still considers himself to be a man of the left. But you know, these are people that were completely dumped on. These are people who were blue on nearly everything. Who where college campuses were, were you know administrations of college campuses and, and student organizations were saying, "Don't come to our campus now. We don't want you to speak. We're going to boycott you." Really, you're going to boycott the liberal person, the liberal dudes who have been on your side when it comes to so many of these different social issues, but because of your insane woke ideology now, you're going to ditch them to the curb. You're basically then just helping the right. You're basically pushing more more sane people over to the right. Is that what you really want, radical left? Is that what you really want, progressives? Well, what, uh, they're, what, they're doing this to themselves. One of the things that really uh, opened my eyes to the to how poisonous the uh, woke culture can be is the Google memo, right? Have, did you read that Google memo? With James I've not Lamar? read it, but I've heard plenty of things about it and seen yeah. plenty of footage. So, James, uh, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, James Damore was a Google employee who was mm -hmm. given a uh, uh, was given an assignment to do where he talked about the uh, he he had to write a paper about differences or, or why women aren't in STEM as much as uh, why women are underrepresented in STEM. And uh, basically what you were supposed to do is mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa and whip yourself in a submission and say that it's all because of the patriarchy that women are underrepresented in STEM. And he was the only person that actually took the assignment seriously and wrote this long paper with citations about why he thinks that it's the case that it could, it could be, I'm not even saying that it definitely was, but that it could be the result of biological differences between men and women that manifest itself in their preferences. And he also advocated in that same paper that he would love to see more women in tech and STEM, and it should be made, there are ways to make it more appealing to women so that they go into those fields and that we should appeal to those methods. And so for this, he gets fired from Google. Uh, and he's currently suing Ridiculous. them. I, ho I hope that works out for him. I hope I hope it works out for him too. Uh, he is he. Uh, this is just my personal perception of him. He seems like a quiet guy that doesn't want to bother anybody, who just wanted to have a good career, 
He wanted to, to follow the orders and directives of his superiors. And he, he, you know, he didn't want to get fired. He didn't, he, he seems like the kind of guy that would, that would do the job spec to spec, not bother you, not bother anybody, not create conflict within the office. And yet he's trashed like this. He said he's that trashed one of, like this. Yeah. He said that one of the things that you were encouraged to do in meetings is if you raise your hand, had a question, you're supposed to say as a male, uh, blah, blah, blah. I believe this. Yeah. Like that's what you're supposed no, to it's, say. It's nuts. To- <laughs> it's nuts. This is, this is the Trojan horse now spreading. This is, these are the, these are the soldiers taking over the kingdom and the kingdom is really the country. The kingdom is tech. The kingdom is nonprofit organizations, movements, everything. Um, you, this guy, a simple employee at Google, just doing his job, Bobby, not bothering anybody, following yeah. directives, getting the data and using the data that was in front of him to come to his conclusion. He didn't add his politics in there. He didn't add any of his personal perceptions in there. He was doing what he was told to do. Well, if that directive later contradicts the intersectional hierarchy, later contradicts the religion of social justice and woke culture, because it is a religion, you're going to get attacked. You're going to get destroyed. Even if you're just doing your job, you're going to get attacked by the very people that assigned you to, to, to do this because they, have, they feel like they have to. The ideology demands it. It demands it. And if you are that, if you are that close-minded where you, you, you think that this ideology needs to win, that you're willing to destroy people's entire reputations and careers on the basis of your ideology of race and gender and sexual orientation above everything else to succeed, then uh, good luck. Good luck fitting in with any sane and normal person. Good luck, America, for trying to continue to pro- progress in, in an age where all of our ideals and, and, and a basis for civil discussion and, and advocacy for the facts should prevail. You know, this, this guy was doing his job. The facts and the numbers when it came to the statistics that I believe he showed to his superiors were just in front of him. He wasn't trying to manipulate anything. He wasn't trying to bring in any politics, nothing evil, nothing bigoted, nothing racist, sexist, right wing, but that's not enough. Oh, that's, I mean, yeah. That's the facts crazy. contradict yeah. the ideology. The ideology needs to win over the facts. Yeah. Uh, and it's a real shame because you would think that a company as big as Google or Twitter, which is also known for banning people that it doesn't agree with, uh, would, I mean, Twitter, the, the Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter has said, this is supposed to be the open forum. This is supposed to be the equivalent of the Acropolis in ancient Greece. This is supposed to be where people go and they exchange all their ideas. Uh, but you know, how true is that if you're planning to ban anyone who disagrees with you and it's not just to people who, from my experience, it hasn't, I mean, it has been people on the left and the right, uh, people who don't fit the narrative that Jack Dorsey wants to support, you know, (laughs) now, hold on. Now, one other thing though, you said that you said an interesting thing earlier. You said, in reference to the radical right, I don't think they're going to win. I think we're going to win. Who did you mean when you said we? Pretty much any, most people that have been waking up to this insane social justice virus. Um, Bill Maher type liberals, Sam Harris type liberals, libertarians, conservatives, centrists, independents. A, a good amount of people who, who fairly agree that the individual should be uh, should be supportive of, above all else that we should appreciate people for what they have for the work that they have, that we should support people for the content of their character or for the color of one's skin. 
You got the alt-right and you got the radical left pushing skin color and gender and sexual orientation and what you believe. Really shows how much they're taking Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream yeah, seriously. Yeah, really, exactly. <laughs> they don't care about that. They want skin color. They want religious identity. They want, uh, they, they want sexual Sec- orientation, gender, all that stuff to succeed above anything else. The person does not matter. The content does not matter. The ideal, just like with this guy, the ideology needs to win. And these people will destroy anything in their path to make that possible. Now you've noticed this happened to you firsthand. You've had a lot of people unfriend you or block you because yeah. you just, like you said, you see, see yourself as a very liberal minded person, but you sound just not comfortable with going along with the, with the ideology. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really call myself a mainstream liberal much anymore. I think my politics has changed. I, I used to be a single issue voter to where I identified as a per, someone on the left because I was, I cared about, for example, church state separation. So I was just, I was a single issue voter for a long time, but as, as the radical left turned me off from their side, I also started to see what my positions are on various other issues from things relating to the second amendment, to healthcare, to immigration. And as I explored some of these ideas, I realized, okay, my positions happen to be more on the right than the left. Um, but when it comes to issues, yeah, like church state separation, like treating people, you know, as equals, advocating for equality of opportunity. I, I, you could still say that these are liberal principles, classical liberal principles, uh, some people like to say, that uh, the radical left and the radical left in what is increasingly now being known as the left um, is advocating to ditch. They're advocating to ditch these principles um, all in favor of this ideology. And yeah, activists in the atheist movement who have claimed to be supporters of free thinking, rationality, challenging dogma, being skeptics, they are so quick to unfriend because to them, social justice is more important than skepticism and atheism. They are willing to ditch and destroy. They're not willing to ditch. They're willing to destroy anything good that the new atheist movement produced as long as social justice wins. So if I say, for example, now that we're coming around to the one year anniversary of the Covington kids incident, that the Covington Catholic high school students were just waiting for a bus and they weren't trying to be racist. And every media, I lost, I lost close to a hundred friends, national and state activists from the atheist movement, even some local friends of mine not relating to the movement who had just saw what I was posting on Facebook. These people were so quick to ditch and unfriend. It was absolutely ridiculous. These are people also that are professionals. So say that they disagreed with me about the Covington kids. For a while, when people disagreed about with me about certain aspects, they've either not commented or they commented but they've, they've stayed, they've, they've remained my friends because that's what you do in a professional setting. You disagree, but you still have contact with that person just in case you need to professionally work with them. That's what's happened in the atheist movement for years. We all friend each other on Facebook, around 5,000 people in the movement, and uh, we all agree to disagree. We, we sometimes we even do challenge each other, but we don't call each other racist, sexist, evil, Islamophobes when there's no evidence to actually suggest that. Um, Until now. Until until now 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 they won they've taken over the atheist movement so they don't have to they don't have to they don't have to uh, pretend to to uh, be respectful to us anymore they can say you're an awful person we hate you uh, ha ha we're gonna unfriend you take that bigot now are there um, any people are there any people who I, I know that this 
I've seen this pattern arise where anyone message you privately and be like, dude, I know I can't say it publicly, but I totally agree with everything yes, you're saying. I've got numerous messages from activists as well that, that still to this day are playing the social justice game in the atheist movement in an effort to not get kicked out or ostracized. Um, and this is, I, and I got to admit, I played that game for a long time too. In 2015, 2016, 2017, I pretended in many aspects to either not talk about social justice or talk about those aspects of social justice I like and sometimes even say, oh yeah, this, this was great, this, that was great. I, I played the game where I condemned Mythicist Milwaukee. I condemned MythCon in 2017 for daring to have a YouTuber, which I actually liked, Sargon of Akkad speaking. Oh. But I played the game because I, I believed that the fight in the atheist movement to protect the separation of church and state was so important that I had to lie. And I barely, I don't lie about anything, Bobby. I don't lie about anything. I really do tell the truth, even if it hurts me. But I lied about that in an effort to continue to stay in the atheist movement, to not get unfriended by all these extreme feminists and social justice people that have taken over new atheism. I know. I feel I, like a Sargon of Akkad, that guy is, he's one of those things, he's one of those YouTubers where I do think that some of what he says is thinly veiled racism, but the way to combat it is to just debate him. He so said, let him he have said the content that, that he thinks is atrocious, that he's even admitted that he's like, okay, I was a bit of an asshole on that. I, I you know, I was a bit atrocious on that. He, he's even admitted it. He's, I've, I've, I've seen him tell this to people, you know, and, and again, the, you know, you don't have to just think about Sargon of Akkad, is, is, I just I just pointed out Sargon as an example. This is anybody, a YouTuber, an intellectual, a philosopher, a local atheist leader, a national atheist leader, a state coalition builder in the atheist movement, who you know might have a differing opinion that's not very progressive or not very woke. And if if you dare shout that, you're going to be set. You're going to be unfriended. You're going to be attacked. You're not welcome in the atheist movement. They they they. It's it's a real shame to see where this community has gone to, to where now if if you dare to even voice your own opinions, opinions that are not actually sexist, not actually racist, you know, originally they just agreed to disagree because we still had a little bit of power, but now that we don't have, we barely have any power left. Um, it's hard. And I know of people that are in the atheist movement now that are in positions of leadership. I won't name them um, that are still in the closet, still have to pretend to be woke, to still pretend to be super progressive. It's funny and, that you use that left. closet. It's funny that you use that closet metaphor, because uh, I know that a lot of times the atheist community likes to use the metaphor of coming. They out like of the to use it. They liked it. They took it from the LGBT community. They said, oh, we are also in the closet about, about atheism and we, you should be able to come out and be accepted. And that's true. I, by the way, I still support a good amount of what the organized atheist movement is working on, fighting for church-state separation and saying it's okay to be an atheist. And that, that stuff still somewhat exists, despite the fact that it's mostly social justice now. There are some elements of that that still exist. And there are some, or, there are some great organizations that are doing that. You'll notice that I haven't bashed any particular organization. I'm trying not to throw bombs on any particular org, despite the fact that I, despite the fact that I have a few opinions on, on some of them. A few. Uh, uh, I'll just say a few. Um, I'm, I'm not here to do that today. I'm, I'm here to talk about the fact that, that the atheist movement was basically destroyed. The organized new atheist movement was pretty much destroyed. It's a ghost of its former self, for lack of a better term. 
and it's a real shame uh, of what's happened. Um, I'll, I'll also say, I'll clarify, you noticed that uh, you, you said that I was president of a Long Island Atheist, which is true. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm, I am also not attacking um, anybody uh, specifically within uh, the organiz- any of the organizations that I've been a part of um, as well. But when I was president of that local group, it was a local meetup group, uh, I did my best to try to facilitate people of all backgrounds uh, to, to come to our events, especially because the national movement on the most part was being taken over by these ideologues. And while I had to shut up, I at least had authority within a local organization to say, you know what, let's have the Republic, let's have the Republican, the few Republicans that are at our event, the few conservatives that are at our event, uh, have the ability to be comfortable in here without feeling like this is some, some woke progressive meeting and not an atheist meeting. The Long Island Atheist was an atheist and is an atheist organization. That's what the atheist movement needs to be. It needs to be an atheist movement, a movement open to people of various political backgrounds, various beliefs, various, various different origins. And if you agree that we should live in a secular society with a secular government and not, uh, you know, and, and move past dogma and superstition, um, you're on my team. And that's oh. what it used to be. It used to be that way. But we ditched that in favor of radical leftism. We ditched that for social justice, and it, it, we yeah yeah I would I would we, say that we put a halt on an important chapter, on an important chapter in intellectual debate and discourse that could have changed the world for the better. I would have I would I would say that while that may be true, I would say that that is not unique to the atheist movement, and that there are a lot of churches or a lot of religious communities that you can visit in America where everyone has the same politics. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You you know, you go to the First Baptist Church of Austin, Texas, you will not see anyone there that is not a Trump supporter. Right, right. I I, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, But the atheist movement at least started out as a a place where when the new atheism really started, you had conservatives, secular and atheist conservatives. You had liberals. You had progressives. You had Marxists. You had centrists. If you agreed— that we should have a separation of church, that we should protect the separation of church and state in the United States and push for a separation of religion and government in the modern world and, and all across the world. We should speak out against dogma of all kinds. We should say that it's okay to be an atheist, just like it's okay to be a Christian. Or it's okay to be gay or it's okay to be, uh, you know, any other demographic. You're on our team. That's what it used to be. It used to be that way. You had Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens at the 2007 FFRF National Convention saying on stage when he was talking about how he was writing at the time for Skeptical Inquirer, I believe, or Free Inquiry, um, how, there, how there are a lot of right-wing atheists out there that are normal people and that we're, uh, he's, he's not here to simply pick on Billy Bob Joe, the pastor. Um, new atheism started out also as a response to 9-11. It's a tragic event that occurred in our, our country where three, over 3,000 Americans died. My father was almost one of them, by the way. If he didn't get a call in the previous day um, from, from the office that, that contacted him, he, he would have been in, in, uh, on the 88th floor of the North Tower. Okay, and I might not even have a father. New atheism started out from that debate to protect, not only to talk about the problems of Christian theocracy, but to talk about the problems of Islamism, jihadism, theocracy of all kinds and even as far back as 2007 you had some people that were scowling at christopher hitchens oh how dare you we want to just we just want to go after christianity 
Why, uh, why are you talking about Islam? Why are you talking about people that could be right-wing or conservative or Republican and be in favor of gay rights and separation of church and state? Ah, oh, we don't want that because they're so bad on all these other issues that I personally don't like. So we don't want them in our atheist movement. And I'll say this too. 2007 was still a great year for the atheist movement. The, the, the real rift didn't begin really until 2011, and they weren't really successful until around 2015, 2016. So there, yeah, was a lot of, there were a lot of good years a lot of great yeah. potential for new atheism. This is, this is the movement that I dedicated my life to, Bobby. And these radical leftists, these social justice activists, they, 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 kicked, they either kicked out or turned off all the good liberals, all the good libertarians, all the good conservatives that wanted to unite together with them for a healthy, productive, huge movement that again could have changed civilization i'm saying the same thing all over again i'm saying the same talking points over and over again you'll notice that bobby because i'm angry i'm very angry at what these people have done these well, are talking points that have been in my head for the past year because of how angry i am you're angry at what they've done to your career prospects <laughs> my career not just my career prospects but what new atheism could have done for the world mm. i want to live in a society where we care less about what religion you believe and 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 instead how good of a person you are i think i think that i, w- I would argue that we've in a, in a in a very large significant way your movement has made that possible i think that now what your movement has led to though is people caring about how you voted and caring because we your- let that in we let that right. in and that's that's the problem we let these people in um and and yes the new atheist movement has made a lot of progress right now you look at look at the look at these statistics on religious affiliation in the united states i have a friend of mine who has said that we are 27% of the us population that you combine the atheist agnostics secular humanists all the people who don't believe in god who just use different terms 27 well that's from an atheist source and that might be a little biased thomas okay let's look at a conservative source you got michael knowles of the daily wire citing in an article from april of 2019 that we're over 23% of the us population that this is a cor- a quarter around or even over a quarter of the us population and then let's talk about generations millennials and and gen z a third of my generation doesn't believe in god so yes we've made a lot of progress in that capacity, but with the new, with the new atheist movement, the new atheist movement was not cut short by social justice and the radical left. If that train was still able to keep moving forward, not only would religious demographics keep changing, which they are, that's I think that's going to continue. But we could have had more conversations about how to defend ourselves against religious extremism. We could have had more conversations about how secularism is important. We could have had more conversations on how we can reach out to people not just on the left but also on the right on defending the separation of church and state. We could have done so many things, but because of these radicals, these conversations were, start, were stopped. And some of the people that are still there, still trying to fight, have been sort of left in the dark. I feel really bad, Bobby, for the ex-Muslims. The ex-Muslims are in the atheist movement. And honestly, I'll say this, this is very politically incorrect for me to say, but I think the only reason why many of the ex-Muslims have not been kicked out of the atheist movement yet is because of their skin color. These people are playing the intersectionality game. And they're like, you know what? They say the same evil, awful things that Sam Harris and Bill Maher and Richard Dawkins say, but I can't attack them because they're brown. Faye, my, my friend, Faisal Saeed Al-Muttar, was able to get away with saying a lot of correct and, and right things for, for a while. But uh, eventually, eventually, now they're even starting to go after him. I think the ex-Muslims are, uh, are up next. Ali Rizvi 
Ali Rizvi, who wrote a book called The Atheist Muslim. He's a little more left-leaning compared to myself. Um, he, he wrote a book called The Atheist Muslim. He uh, made a post a few days ago about how now Greta Christina is going after. I don't know if you know who uh, Greta Christina is. She's a big, extreme feminist, uh, atheist. Um, she's been in the movement since forever, though. Uh, she's now going after Ali Rizvi. And I commented on Ali Rizvi's post saying, first they went for the conservatives, then the libertarians, then the Bill Maher liberals, the ex-Muslims are up next. It, it's, they're going to keep eating themselves till you won't even find a speck of, of, of growing and productive atheist activism in the country. Mm. Um, Mm. You know, it's, well, yeah. it's, it's, the atheist organizations still exist. They're still doing good work, but, but it's, it is really a ghost of its former self. It, 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 it's, it's nothing like what it used to be. And it's not, it's not new atheism anymore. Well, the thing about the ex-Muslims is, I, I think one of the other reasons why uh, they're, they're untouchable now to a lot of people in your movement is not just because of their skin color. It's because a lot of them know what real issues and human rights abuses look like firsthand. Uh, yeah, so so they're on. They've been untouchable for years. Now, now I think now that a lot of the the, the even left leaning liberals like Bill Maher types, Sam Harris types, not even conservative or libertarian in any way, but like liberal. And I have a few friends that are still involved in like local atheist groups that conservatives supposed to be liberals. Now that a lot of them are now leaving or being turned off by the atheist, uh, by by what the atheist movement has become by the social justice radical left types. Now they're now they can go after the ex Muslims. They weren't able to do so for many years. And, and to a degree, some of them still have some shielding due to the identity politics game. They're, you could say it's, it's disgusting. It's racist, actually. It's like but by, the, by this logic, their skin color is protecting them. How awful is that to say, Bobby? But it's true. But now they're even going after some of the ex-Muslims now. I feel so bad for Ali Rizvi. I feel so bad for Armin Avambi of Atheist Republic. I feel terrible for Ali Rizvi, for Lalo Dagash. For um, Yasmin Muhammad, for uh, for for many, uh, for even even for like progress, like a liberal, classical liberal leaning Muslims who who are basically borderline atheists, like Majid Nawaz. I feel bad for these people because these people have have fled. Some of these people have fled horrible situations. They come into a movement that's supposed to be about free thinking and fighting dogma and supporting the the, the best sellers and the people that have have stood up for them. And what are they met with? Oh, yeah, we don't want to talk about Islam, blah, 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 blah. Uh, before I spoke about the radical left, before I spoke about so, you know, how bad social justice is now, before I've been able to come out about the closet for that, for years I've already been losing friends because I have been able, I, I have spoke about Islam in the same capacity that I've spoken about Christianity. And atheist activists, national, state, and some local, atheist activists have unfriended me, not because of anything I've said about modern day feminism or anything like that, because of Islam. One of the most, you could argue, socially conservative, religiously conservative beliefs out there that doesn't regard women as equals, that doesn't regard LGBT as equals, that doesn't regard atheists as equals, and in many respects, depending on the location and depending on the doctrine, right, other people of faith as equals. But you have these skeptical free thinkers defending Islam in the comments. They always, they're always apologetic. They all, you always see it in the Facebook comments. They all gang up on Facebook. That's where they all resign. It's like a beehive. See, they always comment. There's your, they, there's your problem. They, they try to get, get Facebook. They, they try to get you 
they tried to get me with a, they either, they either just attack me directly or they say, they say it in the, in the form of a question. They say, well, what if really blah, 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 blah. And they pretend to come off as like they're questioning it and they're really trying to understand where you're coming from. But in reality, they just want to get you to say something where they can say, well, you're a bigot. You're a bad guy. You're an Islamophobe for daring to question this religion. And it's, it's, it's actually based on racism. They call, they call anybody who speaks out against Islam the racist, yet they're the ones that are saying you can't criticize Islam because Islam is filled with people of brown skin. And as a result of that, we got to protect it. These poor brown people can't take any criticism of their faith. We can't do it. We can't, by their logic, can't you say that, that they're being white-splained or they're white-splaining, <laughs> right? We can play that game. But, but that, that's it. They're promoting actual racism. They, just like the far right, Bobby, just like you said, they are promoting the same exact stuff. Judge by the color of your skin and not by the content of your character. How awful is that? How awful is it, Bobby, to see that a movement based on free thinking, based on fighting against dogma, based on cooperating with liberals, libertarians, conservatives, people of all backgrounds, and fighting for a secular government has turned into this. I am angry. I know I'm repeating myself, and it's for good reason. And the ex-Muslims are now getting hurt hard from this, and it's just disgusting. I feel, yeah, well, I feel I nothing but sympathy for these people because these people have had to shut up and stay in the movement even more than I have now. Well, and they're, they're now on the next, they're, they're the next targets. Yeah, well, uh, they're another group that seems to be eating their own I mean, I know that Ayan Hirsi Ali is not a Muslim, um, but she has the wrong politics. Oh, and well, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, hey, hey, ex-Muslim community, okay, I, I know I can't honestly speak for you guys all the time, but the, the, the classical liberalism that Ayan Hirsi Ali is promoting and the classical liberalism that like, I, Ali Rizvi is promoting is like the, state, the same stuff. Fight, fight against dogma, all that stuff. Ali Rizvi might be more of like a fiscal left-leaning guy like i know he supports bernie as elizabeth warren and their fiscal stuff and i know ian hersey ali has done videos for prager you you're on the same side you're on the same side here okay i know you might have some personal political differences but don't make the same mistake i don't want the ex-muslim community to make the same exact mistake that the mainstream atheist movement made you have a lot more in common than 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 uh you know some may think you know the enemy is woke culture. The enemy or the, act, the far left activists, the woke activists, the extreme feminists that are defending Islam, that are defending people that basically, and an, and an ideology and a religion that wants to see you dead. Let's team up, shall we? Let's fight against this. And fight against them. I wish you Godspeed. No pun intended. I wish you Godspeed. And, <laughs> Thank and, you, Bobby. And good luck in your fight. Is there some place where you'd like uh, where people can find you? Yes. Or where people so can find what you fight My Facebook for? page. You can find my public Facebook page at facebook.com slash Sheedy Tom. The same thing for Twitter. My handle is Sheedy Tom. I have an Instagram as well. If you search up Thomas Sheedy, you'll eventually find me. I believe it's Sheedy TS. And I also have a YouTube channel that I prepare to grow um, very soon. I. I, I'll end. I'll end. I'll, I'll end the conversation on this, Bobby. Uh, and I'll, I am repeating myself. The atheist movement had a lot of potential. It did. It started a conversation that excited the entire Western world. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, we fought Nazism, we won. We fought communism, we won. The next discussion 
that started in the beginning of this new millennium was about faith, was about religion, was about should we continue with this? It's le- and, and it's benefited theologians too. It's benefited so many people to have the rise of this new atheism and, and the, the explosion of atheism that we saw. And while atheism and people lacking belief in God is increasing, there is no longer a viable, strong carrier to continue the intellectual debate. All of the sane atheists that, are do- that have done that, if they're not hiding already in what remains of the atheist movement or not helping out the ex-Muslims, they're, they're out in the intellectual dark web and in the conservative or liberty movements trying to defend our basic freedom to speak. Something I thought we already had before, we, uh, before the new atheist movement started. It's that sad. So I want to say to everybody here who's listening, the fight for reason and the fight against dogma and the fight for a secular government and a secular society and the, the, the fight to normalize people being atheists, that fight is not done. Just because the radical left and the social justice warriors and the extreme feminists have put a stop to organized atheism doing that, doesn't mean that you can't do that. And I wish I could say more. Hopefully I'll be able to say more things about my endeavors in the future. But to, to those who can, who, who still have a sense of rationality in them, keep fighting, keep speaking out, please. And you can hear the passion in his voice. I hope that uh, Thomas Sheedy carries that passion with him for the rest of his life, wherever he chooses to fight. As long I'll as do he's my fighting, best. As long as he's fighting on the side of freedom. All right. Well, thank you very much, Thomas. I appreciate you coming on and I hope to have you on again someday soon. Same to you, Bobby. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Take care now.